Let's pray. Let's get right into the Word here this morning. Praise God for His goodness. Father, we stand before you now. We thank you for your word. As we come to teach today, I make it known that I'm not trusting or depending on limited human abilities to teach. But I am trusting in you. Therefore, I know without doubt that you anoint my mind, that I might grasp the revelation that will rise in abundance from my heart within. I thank you for supernatural recall of the scripture. I believe that your word will flow from my mouth smoothly, accurately, clearly, without hindrance from anything, carried by your anointing, your power and love, to each person's mind under the sound of my voice, to bring understanding, removing confusion, and that you will enter every heart, bringing faith, dispelling all fear, and we'll be careful to give you all the praise, the honor and glory for all that's revealed and accomplished through your word and by your spirit here today. In Jesus' wonderful name, everybody said, Amen. Amen. You may be seated. All right, this is part four in our series, The Supernatural Power of Intercession. The Supernatural Power of Intercession. And, um, you know, this world is, is, is in a mess right now, isn't it? There's so many challenges in our world, and even now in America. And there's only one thing that can fix all that, and this is intercession. Intercessional work for you, for your family, for somebody else, it'll it's a prayer that'll work for your friends, for um, a city, for a nation. And without it, we'll see the problems we're seeing today. All right, so let's begin. Part four. Listen to this statement from E.M. Bounds, a Methodist minister who lived in, born 1835 and passed on 1913. Uh, quote, God shapes the world through prayer. God shapes the world through prayer. Through the prayers of God's saints, God carries out his great work upon the earth. The very life and prosperity of God's people on the earth depends on prayer. End of quote. All right, we're going to go to Isaiah 43, please, and verse 25 from the New King James translation. And uh, Isaiah was a mighty prophet of God who lived a long time before Jesus came to the earth and died on the cross. God speaks through him here and says in Isaiah 43:25, I, even I, am he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake, and I will not remember your sins. So God said he blocks out our sins and transgressions for his sake. Is that what he said? For his own sake. And he will not remember our sins. So why would God forgive us for his sake when really he need the forgiveness? The reason is simple. Because if God didn't forgive us, we would not be going to heaven. None of us would. And then God would live in eternity without us. And the pain of the heartache that God would suffer because he loves us so completely because we'll not be there with him, the pain for eternity without us will be far greater for him than the pain of the cross. So he went to the cross, which is the least amount of suffering, even as great as it is, because his love is so great. All right, the next verse says, Put me in remembrance. Let us contend together. State your case that you may be acquitted. 
God said, come to me and talk to me. Debate with me. State your case. I want to forgive you. Say this. When I have a problem and need forgiveness, God wants me to come to him and receive it. <clears throat> now, we must inform the devil that God has already forgiven the human race through Christ through the cross. He has forgiven the entire human race already. Therefore, he has no more legal right to hold the unsaved in bondage. Satan has no more legal right to hold the unsaved in bondage. All right? All they need to do is accept Christ as Lord and Savior, and they will be born again. Jesus said you must be born again. The life of God must enter our heart by accepting Christ. And Jesus said that, so... The devil is blinding their minds to this fact that God's forgiven them, God loves them, and God wants them to accept Christ, the free gift of salvation, so they can go to heaven. Now, once Satan releases their minds, they will willingly accept Jesus as Lord and Savior. The thing is, the demons are blinding their understanding to understand this truth. All right, go to 2 Thessalonians 3. This is now the New Testament, verse 1. 2 Thessalonians 3, verse 1. Finally, brethren, pray for us that the word of the Lord may run swiftly and be glorified just as it is with you. And that we may be delivered from unreasonable and wicked men. So Paul prays here in the scripture, and he says, or writes in the scripture, requesting prayer for deliverance from these wicked people. Now, in this particular situation, the prayer of intercession would be uh, the right prayer to pray. It would work far better than, say, the prayer of faith would work in that situation. And I'll explain why as we go along. Kenneth Hagin said this. He told the following story in one of his old tapes, which I have in my library. About an, about, an, about an old farmer who interceded for his daughter. And uh, the old farmer who lived on a ranch in New England, USA, had a daughter named Blanche. She and his son-in-law were missionaries in Africa at the time. So Blanche and her husband were missionaries in Africa at this time. At 5 o'clock in the morning, the old farmer went out with two buckets to milk the cows. Halfway to the barn, he set down the buckets on the ground, left them, and returned to the kitchen. He said to his wife, something is wrong with our daughter Blanche. Her life is in danger. Let's pray. He fell on the kitchen floor and began to groan in the spirit as he prayed in other tongues. The cows needed to be milked and the chickens and pigs needed to be fed. But he prayed from 5 o'clock in the morning until 2 o'clock in the afternoon. It took nine hours without stopping, groaning, crying, praying before the burden lifted. He began to laugh and sing in the spirit. His wife said, what is it? And he said, we've got it. 
In due course, they received a letter from their daughter Blanche and learned that she had contracted a tropical fever. It was the kind of fever that killed its victims. Blanche's husband said she went down to the jaws of death and suddenly she rose up perfectly well. After comparing notes and allowing for the time difference, the exact time that Blanche rose up well was at 2 o'clock in the afternoon when the burden of prayer lifted from her father. Praise God. Now the prayer of faith and the prayer of intercession are not governed by the same rules. According to Ephesians chapter 6 and verse, 16, verse 18, the Word of God says, Pray at all times and on every occasion in the power of the Holy Spirit. Pray on every occasion in the power of the Holy Spirit. Stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all Christians everywhere. Say this, God wants me to pray for all Christians everywhere. Now, as I've already said, the prayer of faith does not work for every situation. This is why we have different kinds of prayers. Like different sports have different rules. And you can't run and tackle somebody on the golf course because he's beating you. With a prayer of faith, the believer prays once and then continues to thank God, believing they receive what they ask for at the time of prayer. Because Jesus said in Matthew, uh, in, in um, Mark eleven twenty four. Whatever things, you are, whatever things you desire when you pray, believe you receive them, and you shall have them. Whatever things you desire when you pray, believe you receive them, and you shall have them. So at the time of prayer, you must believe you receive what you ask for. Then from that moment on, you thank God because you believe you've got it. That's faith. You don't use faith when you can see it. Faith is necessary when you can't see it. That's why it's called faith. Right? So you believe you've got it even though you can't see it. You believe you have the money in your wallet even though you can't see it. Now, what's this. Whatever things you desire when you pray, believe you receive them and you will have them. Do you get that? The prayer of faith is for you. It doesn't work for other people necessarily unless you can get them to agree with you because they have a will of their own. They might not want what you want them to have. And so you've got to get them to agree with what you want them to have and then pray. That's why it says, if any two agree, it shall be done for them. But you can't always force that on anybody else. God won't even force people to heaven if they don't want to go. You see? They have their own free will. We're not robots. So... In this case here now, um, in the case of intercessory prayer in tongues for the unsaved, agreement is not always necessary. You're not going to get it. You're not going to get them to agree. 
Oh, I want you to get saved. I don't want to get saved. Well, you're not going to get them to agree. So you have to pray in the Spirit for them in intercessory prayer. That's the only way it's going to work. And so God can work with them. He can start wrestling with them. He start debating with them. Start calling their hearts to Him, drawing them. And we, in prayer, the Spirit of God pushes back the forces of darkness from their mind so they can come to the understanding. Like the prodigal son, while he's eating the pig food after taking his inheritance. The Bible said when he came to himself, he said, I will rise and go to my father. He wasn't in his right mind. That's why he's doing all that. But then he came to his right mind, I'm going home and repenting, asking God to forgive me, my, my father to forgive me and take me as one of his hired servants. So when we pray that way, they come to their right mind. The demons stop controlling their thinking, and then they accept Christ as Savior, right? That's how that works. Now, in entry prayer, there's a wrestling in the spirit that can last for hours or even days sometimes until the burden of prayer finally lifts and the sense of victory has been won in the spirit. In the case of the old farmer, had he not understood the prayer of intercession, had he prayed the prayer of faith for his daughter instead, she probably would have died because he could not get an agreement with her and prayed the prayer of faith with her. Mainly that reason. So intercession was the key for her deliverance. When intercession or interceding for someone, always be led by the Holy Spirit. Intercessory prayer is a combination of praying in tongues and praying with the understanding at the same time. We need to be led by the Holy Ghost rather than follow formulas. When you pray in tongues and travail and intercede for someone, you are led by the Spirit. You don't follow formulas. Okay? You will be led to take authority at certain times. The Holy Ghost must instruct you when you're praying and interceding for somebody. You can pray for somebody in the Holy Ghost in tongues, and they don't know you're praying for them. And God can work from them and rescue them and change them, fix the problem. When you intercede for them without them even knowing about it. But he will lead you at certain times in your prayer to stop and exercise authority. Right? Exercise authority. And I'm going to tell you a story here to explain exactly how this works. Now... I could share many stories of personal experiences of how this works, but this particular story is very clear and very powerful. And I've shared it before, but today I'm going to share it focusing on something that I've probably never focused on before in the story. And that is how the Spirit of God led me to take authority while I was interceding. So back oh, many years ago when... Natalie was 15 and Candace was 13. Uh, we went to visit 
Pastor Bev's sister, Brenda, and her husband, George, in Atlanta. We were living in South Africa, and we were staying in their home with them for a few days. And uh, before we arrived, their two children, George and Robbie, the same ages as Natalie and Candace, discussed taking them fishing in a little stream behind their house and teaching them how to fish. And they were so excited to go fishing for the very first time. And so the day finally arrived that they were going to go fishing now. And in the morning, uh, they were in the living room and they were putting all their equipment together and showing them how to use the fishing pole and the bait and all that. And I went to prayer, as I usually do. And I got on my knees on the carpet with my elbows on the bed in the room that we were staying. And uh, I began to pray in the Spirit. I'd been praying for about an hour. And I was having a wonderful time with the Lord. But all of a sudden, out of nowhere, this terrible burden entered my heart. It felt like I just got the news somebody had died in my family. So I looked to my heart. And I said, what is this, Holy Spirit? And then instantly I knew Natalie is going to die if I don't intercede. So I began to pray. I said, Holy Spirit, let's intercede for Natalie then. And I began to intercede for her. And after a while of praying, I got up and I went to the living room to see what was going on. And there the kids were laughing, having fun as they were getting their fishing equipment ready. And... Um, so I stood in the doorway and watched, and I knew in my heart I must go with them fishing. And uh, my head said, you know, you are going to rain on their parade. You're going to be a damper on their day. They don't want to drag their dad with them to the fishing. It's their day to be with their, with their friends, their, their cousins. So I decided to listen to my head. The Bible said, trust the Lord with all your heart. Lean not to your own understanding. So when your heart and your mind conflict, always go with your heart. Say this, I must always instantly obey the voice of my spirit. Okay. So, the devil obviously distracted me. He knew what he was planning to do. So I went back to the room, got on my knees and continued praying. And a little while later, this burden came back and I began to seat for Natalie. After a while, I got up and I came back to the living room, stood in the doorway and looked. And there they were, happy, getting ready. I went through the same thing, my heart, my mind, and I made the same wrong choice, went back to the room, got on my knees again and carried on praying. And uh, then the burden came and I prayed through and then I went back to the living room and they were gone. So I said to George, uh, is there a gym around here? He said, yes. So he took me about five minutes down the road or ten minutes down the road to this gym. And I said, come back in 60 minutes. And I paid my fees for that workout. And behind the counter, which is about five feet high, there's this young 18-year-old 
young man sitting, reading a book or magazine or whatever it was. And he was paying no attention to anything in the gym. And there was no one else there except me. And the music was cranking out real loud. Very loud, in fact. You could hardly think straight. So I began to work out when all of a sudden this burden came back with a vengeance. I mean, I, it was so strong. I could not even exercise. So I just said, Holy Spirit, whatever this is now with Natalie, I used Natalie, anoint me to intercede for Natalie. Take care of this. Solve this problem. And I began to pray. Now I'm praying like you opened a fire hose. I mean, it was just coming out with such strength. I was praying, praying, praying in tongues, fast as the machine gun bullets can fly. I was praying out loud, walking around, not working out. He couldn't see me. I couldn't even see his head. And um, he couldn't hear me. Then after a while, about 15 minutes, the Holy Spirit, I sensed. I didn't hear a voice. I just knew in my heart. The Holy Spirit was talking to me. So I listened, and I knew I must now take authority over the demons that are trying to take Natalie's life. So I said, Satan, I bind you in the name of Jesus. You will not take Natalie's life. Then these words came up in my heart. She will live and not die. I said, she will live and not die. And I said it, she will live and not die. And I began to pray again, pray again. And then after a while, the Holy Spirit said to me, I, I didn't hear a voice in this occasion. I just knew my heart, release the angels. So I followed the, 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 the witness of the Spirit. And I said, I release the angels of God to protect Natalie in the name of Jesus. Now you see the Holy Spirit's guiding me here to pray and take authority while I'm interceding. Can you see that? I release the angels. Tell me what to do. Following him, being led by him. So I release the angels to protect her. And then after a while praying, praying, the Holy Spirit said to me, remind Satan he's bound. Don't turn to, don't bind him again. Remind him he's, he's bound. Because if I say, you are, I bind you again, that means I didn't believe it the first time. Where's my faith in the first binding? He didn't come unloose, unglued, whatever, while I'm praying. So I said, Satan, I remind you, you are bound in the name of Jesus. You cannot hurt my daughter. She will live or not die. And I carried on praying, carried on praying like that for about 50 minutes, real hard. But remember now, I've been praying for a long time in the bedroom already. So um, then this burden lifted, and I began to sense joy in my heart. Just then, George arrived. And I said, George, uh, this is what's happened. Please take me right now immediately to where they're fishing. So he said, I've never been there, but we'll try and find it. So um, we parked the car and we walked up uh, behind the house along this, um, this road. And behind his house, he's got these bamboo poles growing. They're about five, six inches in diameter. And... Um, and you could not put your hand between these bamboo poles. They were very high, 30, 40 feet high. And we walked maybe 500 yards that way, 500 yards that way. We couldn't find 
a place to go in. And we wondered how on earth these kids got back there to that stream. So anyway, um, then we got back to the house and, and, and Natalie uh, Bev arrived, Pastor Bev arrived with, with uh, her sister Brenda. We told her what's going on and the phone rang. It was the police. The four kids were at the police station. So we went over there and Natalie's sitting there with a, the, one of the boys' T-shirts on. Now, in those days, the T-shirts were like a dress. I mean, they came down to their knees. And uh, <clears throat> so this young man sitting there without a shirt on, but she's wearing it. And we asked her what happened, and she looked very shook up. So she told us that, well, we heard, we were sitting in the bank fishing, and we heard a man's voice back in the reeds uh, in a bamboo pole saying, do you have a fishing license? So the oldest boy, George, he said, we're only 15 years old. You, you need to have one when you turn 16. We're not old enough to need a fishing license. So he said, I am a fishing inspector, whatever that is. You need a license. Come up here. So they couldn't see anybody. It was a little clearing. And they went at this clearing, and there was no one there. Then all of a sudden, this man comes out behind the reeds, and he's totally naked. He's about 22, 25 years old, and a tall, skinny guy with a T-shirt wrapped around his head. Just his eyes are visible. And uh, so he comes up to him at that point now. Natalie steps forward and holds out her hands to protect the other three kids. She's always been that way. She's been a protector of her sister since she was a tiny little tot. Anyway, uh, the three kids ran away. There are three paths there, and she didn't know which, ones that, which path that they took. And uh, anyhow, because she was unfamiliar with the area totally. So at that point, this man runs up to her, grabs her, rips her clothes off, um, and throws her on the floor and jumps on top of her. And uh, now she could do one of two things. She could try and fight him off in her own strength, a young 15-year-old girl with a big, strong, young 25-year-old man. That's not going to work too well. And, um, or else she could use spiritual authority, all right? She had two options, physical or spiritual. Now, if she were a super saint at the time, you could expect her to use her spiritual authority, but she wasn't. She's the average teenager at that time. She's on fire for the Lord nowadays, of course. She has been for many years, but back then she wasn't. She was just an average teenager. Coming to church every weekend, of course. Uh, now, she screamed out loud, Satan, I bind you in the name of Jesus. Now, at that point in time, the Holy Ghost, he orchestrated that event. You understand? Because we prayed through. And now, so the Holy Ghost took charge of Natalie and spoke through her at that time. And the anointing was so strong on Natalie that this man got up dazed. Didn't know what he was doing, where he was. She jumped on her feet and ran. Didn't know which way to go, but took one of those pathways. 
thinking he's right behind her, she ran with all her life and all her heart. And after about two, three hundred yards, she came out into a clearing of a football field. And there the three kids were waiting for her. And the young boy gave her, gave him, gave her his T-shirt. And um, so they went to, uh, to uh, the near, a nearby store and told them what happened. They phoned the police and they can't pick him up. They, those three kids had a few choices. One, they could go back into the reeds, try and help her. They would have been not able to do that. Secondly, they could have um, stood there and waited, in which case she would have died, but they did the right thing. They went and told somebody who phoned the police. But even so, the police would not have got there within an hour of the incident, and that's far too late. It would have been all over by then. So um, the Holy Ghost knew what was going to happen and led me to intercede for her, particularly by name, and then use authority. Did you see that? He guided me how to use authority. So say this. When I intercede, I must look to my heart and listen and follow the Holy Spirit's guidance and speak out in the name of Jesus, command Satan, release the angels, and declare into the spirit realm what God wants me to say. Whether I'm praying, whether I am praying for an individual, a family, a city, work associates, school friends, or a nation. Follow the Holy Ghost and use my authority as he guides me. So say this, travail in the spirit is both, both interceding in tongues and exercising authority. Praise God. So I hope that story helped to illustrate the importance of that. So intercession involves spiritual warfare, which brings deliverance. Matthew 12, 28. Jesus said, But if I cast out demons by the Spirit of God, surely the kingdom of God has come upon you. Or how can one enter a strong man's house and plunder his goods unless he first binds the strong man and then he will plunder his house? So, Jesus is teaching us here, in prayer we must first bind the strong man, which is Satan, who binds and oppresses people. First bind Satan, who blinds and oppresses people. We bind Satan over the person's mind. From then on, we, rem we remind Satan that he is bound over that person's mind. Don't keep binding him. So when you're speaking in tongues and praying and interceding for somebody to be saved, for example, you'll bind Satan over their minds and release them. And then the next day, you intercede again for them, and you say, Satan, I remind you, you are bound over Fred's mind. You cannot control his thinking. Ephesians 6, verse 12, please. 
For we wrestle not against flesh and blood. Say this, I am not fighting against people. People are not my problem. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in the high places. Those are different ranks of demons that we have to deal with down here. So we are wrestling against demonic spirits in the atmosphere around us when we intercede and travail in the spirit. We are wrestling for the souls of people. So that I'm wrestling for the souls of people. For example, if two men had entered into a wrestling contest, they would carry on wrestling until one of them forces the other one to give up and tap out. Likewise, we wrestle against unseen demonic principalities and powers in the spirit world. If a Christian wants to be successful in intercession, there's two things they must understand. One, they must understand who they are in Christ. That's why I wrote that little book, To Become How God Destined You to Be. It's all scriptures on who you are in Christ. It's a little booklet pocket-sized booklets in the thing. It'll help you understand that. Second thing we need to do is understand the great authority that Christ has given us in the name of Jesus. So that I need to know who I am in Christ and I need to understand the power of that name. So please note, in prayer, we are not trying to defeat the devil. Say so that I'm not trying to defeat Satan. Say this, he's already been defeated on the cross once and for all. No, say this, I am simply taking from the devil that which he has no authority to hold on to. Again, I'm simply taking away from the devil that which he has no authority to hold on to. He has no authority to hold on to the souls of men and women. Jesus died for them. He has no authority over those people. We've taken him away through intercession. The Holy Spirit helps us in the seed with groanings. Romans 8, 26. The Holy Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings that words cannot express. When we pray in tongues, there's certain times when English or Spanish or German or French cannot express what's in our heart, but the Holy Ghost can in a heavenly tongue. 1 Corinthians 12 verse 10 talks about different kinds of tongues, different kinds of tongues. The NIV says various kinds of tongues. So there are different kinds of praying in tongues, different kinds. Not all praying in tongues is the same. Not all praying in tongues is the same. I'm talking about praying now. Not all praying in tongues is the same. Intercession in other tongues is a deeper, far more mature Christian experience. Again, intercession is a deeper, far more mature experience. 
It is more than simply building yourself up by praying in tongues in your everyday prayer time. In our everyday prayer time, we'll pray in the Spirit and we will be drinking living water like in the natural, you drink physical water. When you pray in tongues, you are drinking spiritual water and quenching, quenching the thirst of your heart. When you read the Bible, you're feeding your heart like you eat physical food. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds forth out of the mouth of God. So say this, when I eat, when I, when I read the Bible, I'm eating spiritual food. When I pray in tongues, I'm drinking spiritual water. The Holy Spirit's quenching my heart. Okay, so there's a difference now. So praying in tongues quenches our hearts, thirst. 1 Corinthians 14 verse 4 tells us, He who speaks in a tongue edifies himself. See that? When I pray in tongues, I edify myself. Build myself up. Quench that thirst. The same thing in Jude 1.20. But you, beloved, building yourselves up on your most holy faith by praying in the Holy Spirit. So when I pray in tongues, I'm building myself up inside. That's wonderful. But now, the supernatural power of intercession is different. It is a much more mature level of prayer than that. For example, the Bible tells us in Galatians 4.19 that this kind of intercession is labor. It's labor. Galatians 4.19, my little children for whom I labor in birth again until Christ is formed in you. Labor. That's like giving birth. Paul wrote to the church in Galatia and said he's laboring for them in prayer. Now the same in the New Living Translation says, My dear children, I feel as if I am going through labor pains for you again. And they will continue until Christ is fully developed in your lives. So, in the Greek, labor in birth, in the Greek means... Filled with passion, struggling, distress, pain, wrestling, labor. That's what we're talking about. That's from the Greek. That's what that word labor explains. The E.W. Vines Expository Dictionary says it this way. Now, the Vines is a great dictionary, just like Strong's and Young's. It translates... Greek and Hebrew to English. All right, I've got all of them. Now, it says, Vine's Dictionary says, quote, about the word labor, to feel the pains of childbirth. This is from the Greek now. To feel the pains of childbirth. To travail, birth pains, have the labor of children, suffer greatly. The word travail might have denoted the cries of a woman at the onset of labor. End quote. That's pretty hectic. That's pretty hectic. That's a lot different to just praying in tongues or fellowshiping the Lord driving down the road speaking in tongues. A lot different, right? We're talking about travailing in prayer. As I said, few Christians understand this. And few Christians know how to get into it. But this is what changes nations and brings the revivals that we are seeing in our universities right now. And we need to carry on. Don't stop. Hallelujah. 
So Paul compares natural childbirth and spiritual childbirth, the born-again experience. He compares them. Paul wrestled, labored, and struggled in intercessory prayer in birth for that church in Galatia. Now he's laboring again till Christ is formed in them. Reverend Wilford H. Reed says the following, quote, This is a spiritual activity. It is intense suffering in the inner man. It is comparable to the pangs of natural childbirth. It involves real intercession, end of quote. So revival can never happen, and people cannot be born again without Christians laboring like this in prayer. Let's go and prove that then from Isaiah 66, verse 8, way back in the Old Testament. Isaiah 66, 8. God said, Who has heard such a thing? Who has seen such things? Shall the earth be made to give birth in one day? Or shall a nation be born at once? For as soon as Zion was in labor, she gave birth to her children. What on earth is that talking about? Verse 9. Shall I bring to the time of birth and not cease and not cause delivery? Says the Lord. Shall I who cause delivery shut up the womb? Says the Lord. No. For all of you trusting God for childbirth, say this. If God... Designed childbirth and instructed Adam and Eve to multiply, then he wants me to have my baby. Okay, so now, but this is not about that. This is about the nation of Israel being born again in 1948 when they began a nation. They began a nation again. They got their land back uh, in Israel. But it's also about the church, because Israel is a type of the church. Okay? So Psalm 60, uh, Isaiah 68, uh, 66 verse 8 says, For as soon as Zion was in labor, she gave birth to her children. You could say as soon as the Christians prayed this way, baby Christians were born into the family of God. Babies don't get born into the family of God by themselves, and nor does any other child get born on its own. There's something that happens before that. Kenneth Hagin says this in one of his books or tapes. Do you know why babies are not being born into churches today? It's because there's no travail. And when someone begins to travail and groan in prayer, others are ready to throw them out. We're not going to have that here, praise God. If we desire to see a greater, stronger, mightier outpouring of God's presence and a greater move of the Holy Spirit in our, move, in our meetings and our nation, it can only come if we include travail and intercession in our prayer. Now, here's a very powerful Old Testament verse. Go, please, please turn there, Micah 4 verse 10. Micah is one of the minor prophets that gives you major problems when you try and find his book. <laughs> Go to Micah 4, verse 10. Okay. God said, Be in pain and labor to bring forth, O daughter of Zion, like a woman in birth pangs. 
like a woman in birth pangs. He's not talking to somebody in the natural. He's talking about the nation and he's talking about the church. Like a woman in birth pangs. There you shall be delivered. Where? In your intercessory prayer, deliverance will come. There the Lord will redeem you from the hand of your enemies. The Lord will redeem you. So that when I travail in the Spirit, God will deliver me from every problem. I have found in my life when all else fails, this always puts me over. Always puts me over. There's a struggle, a stress, a distress, a labor, a wrestling that takes place in the Spirit. <clears throat> Jesus prayed this way. Luke 22, 43. Jesus said, Father, it is your, if it is your will, take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not my will be done, but yours be done. And being in agony, he prayed more earnestly. Then his sweat became like great drops of blood falling down to the ground. Jesus was travailing intercession at that time when he prayed that way before the cross. Now, every Christian is called to this prayer of intercession. Every Christian is called to this prayer dimension. All Christians are called to a supernatural, powerful prayer life through intercession. All Christians are called to this dimension of prayer. Now, I've got two more sessions left on this subject. And um, listen very carefully here. Part five and six is going to rock your world. Part five and six is going to rock your world. The most exciting, powerful part of the whole series. It's the climax of the series. You will not be the same after this. Now, and I've got several stories that are going to help, just like you heard today, to throw light on the subject. It's extremely powerful and valuable. It's going to turn you into a mighty warrior soldier in God's army. And you are going to be very effective. When you wake up in the morning, Satan and demons are going to be terrified that you've woken up. And the angels are going to rejoice that you've woken up. But you can't miss it. Now, I will speak to you next Sunday morning from that screen because I'll be in Janusburg. We'll be in Janusburg teaching there and here at the same time. And I will talk to you, San Antonio, from Johannesburg. I'll address you on that video, I mean, on that um, TV um, camera from the platform in Johannesburg at the same time. I'll be calling your name out, okay? Make sure you're here. <laughs> so, um, uh, Pastor Ev and I are leaving this week, Tuesday, to Johannesburg, and the next two, part five and part six, will be from Johannesburg here, all right, into the church. So, we, we, I'm teaching the same series in Johannesburg right now. The last four years, I've done that. I've been teaching directly from Wednesday here at this platform, filming it, and they show it in Jasper. So they're watching now this message. But next weekend, we'll be there preaching back here, and it will be into this service. Uh, part five, and next, the following weekend, part six. Then in the evenings, 
because this is the morning. We can't hook up with the Saturday night service. So in the, in the uh, evening Saturday night service here, Pastor Bev is teaching. Okay? She'll be teaching on that screen. Now, she has a very, very powerful message to start off with. Um, they're all powerful. So she's, they are, they are, seriously. She'll be teaching, she'll be teaching um, three Saturday nights in a row. And one Sunday morning as well, right? And Sunday, the third Sunday morning you'll be speaking right here. And Sunday night, Saturday night there in, in, in as well. But there'll be a different message though. Okay. She's younger than me. More energy. She wants to do it. So I said, honey, don't stop yet. Charge on. Charge on, honey. <laughs> don't let me stop you. <laughs> okay. Praise God. Now, um, so we look forward to that. We're going we're gonna to miss you, but we'll be talking to you every weekend. Now, before we go, I think we should sing, I believe, for it. Can we stand up? Can we have the pulpit removed? And then we're going to pray in tongues for a few minutes. Maybe two minutes, we'll pray in tongues. You know, last night we prayed in tongues, you thought the roof was going to lift. But I think you're going to do better this morning. Two minutes of praying in tongues, as soon as the song's finished. Don't go away. This is an important part of your training.
the Lord. Praise the Lord. Let's just remain standing. Thank you, worship team. Thank you, Stacey. That was so anointed. We're going to pray in the spirit here for two minutes. As we come together, and then this is part of our training, right? I encourage you to get into prayer groups and pray like this at home. If you can't speak in tongues, that's fine. Speak in English or Spanish or any other language of your choice for two minutes and pray. And if you want to receive the Holy Ghost, you come out. I'm going to ask the pastors just come and stand on this platform right here quickly and pray for you if you want to receive the Holy Ghost. Come and stand up here, pastors, on the lower platform. If you want to get full of the Spirit. Now, say this with me. Holy Spirit, we're going to pray for America. And we're going to intercede also for... for um, let's pray for Ukraine, for the Christians there, for the people there. I'm not praying for the war. I'm praying for the people. Whatever God wants, let, let God's will be done in that war. That His will be done. I don't believe wars are of God. It's from the devil. So we pray in the Spirit. I believe God's going to fix that. We're praying for America. They're trying to steal our freedoms. I promise you, family, uh, I've heard the things that are going on. It's not nice. It's very dangerous. This whole idea of taking away free speech is all aimed eventually at removing the Bible from circulation. It's trying to stop the Bible because there's a lot of things in there that these people don't agree with. But God's Word is final authority. So we're going to pray and let God push back the force of darkness in, in America and South Africa. We pray for South Africa. And for the, let's pray for all the countries of the world, for God's kingdom to rise up. So this Holy Ghost, I yield to you now to pray through me for the kingdom of Christ to prosper in all the earth. We pray for all Christians everywhere that your purpose be done. And Satan, retreat in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Holy Ghost for anointing me now to pray in Jesus' name. Let's pray. Let's pray. Breaking this or Kisha Pabla or Muka, Bledabak, Endoro, Breaking the Snaya, Dora Baribikendi, Broca Maladabaya, Brela Makasa, Obokishende, Brakida Bamaya, Embaradis, Obruku, Zekam, Labala, Obolabushikai, Endoro Moku, Kerbarabasuka, Saya Baladiga, Endos. Mambaba, Engasai, Okosu, Shikasa, Lekendo, Mobobush, Lamanakaya, Kababakoku, Kebarabasai, Kababaku, Kebalabakai, Probarasike, Embroman Kambaram, Kababakuru, 
כאב למסייה, כה בבוקולי בפסק. כאב על המסייה בלקה בבוקושי אין על המנגייה. קרידס נוקו שוקו שבא רקי אינו בוקו בלה דרסייה. לקה נבוק לקה בבי סנא מקויה אינו לבנגה סקר דיסא סום לס נק מוגו שיגה ארנד נקס היה למה קוקלדיזס אובלו בושוקו בובה ממניק אבלה בקבה אלו רוסי לסכם אמו מושוקו אובלו בקאיה אינו לבקירס לבא מקוי אובו לביקאיה אין דרסייה רבא בקורי שקנת אבא רביקה בבקורי בלנסה בלבקדס אין אובו בבאי עליהם פרייזי לורד פרייזי גאד פרייזי גאד פרייזי גאד פרייזי גאד תודה ג'יזוס פאדר ווי בליב להולי ספורט איז וורקינג נאו As a result of that prayer in Jesus' name.